Yeah, I was expecting both of us to look a little bit glowing. Sunburny. Sunburny, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, right now right now it's like winter in the morning, a spring in like late morning and summer in the afternoon. I don't know how to, what to wear these days. It's crazy. Four seasons in one day. <laughs> <laughs> Can you hear me well? Yep, beautiful. I'm still working out uh, new connections and I'm not happy. I, I put the... The console a bit far, so every time I have to kind of oh, I'm out of frame. I'm going back. Yeah, Yeah, I need to rewire (laughs) that for next time. Uh, Let's play the first. uh, I just want to tell you both good luck. We're all counting on you. There we go. They're counting on us. uh, I said last time a couple of weeks, and it's been five weeks. (laughs) Has it really been five weeks? (laughs) Nothing. Yeah, we haven't recorded in May. We're directly in June. June the second. May didn't happen for anybody. It just didn't happen. It just we went straight from April to June. (laughs) <laughs> That's the only explanation for the way that life feels at the moment. It is. Absolutely, it is. Um, I'm not going to specify the date here out of privacy, maybe because he maybe doesn't want to share. It's, let's say, in the spring. So it's very large. Happy birthday, Mark. Yeah. Our dear friend, the pilot. Uh, he will know which date it is. You guys might uh, not know. If you do, send him a message. Or if you even if you don't, just send him a message. He'll be happy. Might be a little bit out of sync with his real date, but it doesn't matter. Happy birthday, Mark. We're very happy birthday, Mark. Yeah. Congratulations and on uh, your book on paperback. Today is it? Today? I think it's today. It today, right? that's exciting. Yeah, if you haven't if you haven't read it already, it's a it's a beautiful beautiful book. Absolutely. There's another anniversary today. What is it? Thirteen years ago today, you and I met for the first time. What? Yep, in Singapore. How? I mean, I know that it was in Singapore, and I remember exactly how we met. Was it exactly? Wow! Thirteen years ago today, and and it just popped up in in my photos uh, this morning. No way! At AdTech in Singapore. Yeah, exactly. At was it SunTech, the 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 big uh, conference? Yeah. Holy cow, man! (laughs) Wow. Well. And uh, we used not to see each other a lot, first of all, because I wasn't in living <laughs> in London. And then um, then I lived in London. We were still not seeing uh, each other a lot. And then for the past two months, it seems that we're seeing each other every week or something, which is... Yeah. Yeah, no, it's great. It's great that uh, the, the universe has decided that we need to see more of each other. Yeah, which is which is why, guys, you don't get us on the podcast because we just hang out and then we okay. don't. Yeah, exactly. We don't need to record it if we're right there. <laughs> Let's play the music for again. It's a jam. It's a jam. So we have a lot to talk about today, obviously, because when we don't record for a while, there's a lot. So we're going to jump right in. Uh, and right in, it will be pretty obvious for anyone who's... Uh, following Attaché. You've released the episode on Abu Dhabi, and that's my first question. How did you get there, and how was Abu Dhabi? Was it your first time? I, I never asked that question. I don't no, know. No, it, it, it wasn't my first time in Abu Dhabi, but it was my first time doing it properly. I was there for work a couple of years ago. I got to go to, no, a couple of years ago? Maybe five or six years ago. <laughs> COVID years do not count. Yeah. <laughs> and I went to the, I was able to go to the Grand Prix, which was incredible. Oh, Wow. Nice. I, yeah, yeah, that was my first and only experience of anything like that. And I that I wasn't really into Formula One before then, but that got me hooked. Oh, oh, it was nice. such a great experience. And uh, I went with my client, and so we got some pretty primo 
experiences there. Got to meet uh, Leclerc, who is now the, no. the Ferrari driver, who wasn't the Ferrari driver then, but is now. Oh, that is so cool, man. I've, yeah, never, I've was... only been once to a Grand Prix, and I was, actually, I was around the time we met, probably, no, a bit later. I went to Singapore, the night Grand Prix, uh, also invited by a client, also VIP, everything that you can oh. imagine. I was into Formula One growing up with my dad, watching every Sunday religiously with my, my dad. I kind of stopped because I feel it's too much of a video game these days. So maybe I just got old or something. But yeah, being to a Grand Prix is super impressive, actually. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It really is. And I think that that's what I needed to really get into the sport was to see the, the behind the scenes and, you know, not from a kind of a douchey perspective, but this is everything that goes into it. And, you know, did you know this? I don't know anything about cars but just the the scale of it and the and the yeah i don't know the, the festivities and the uh, and the sort of atmosphere around it was and also was the really entire production fun. like yeah everything it's almost like a, a moving circus you know they have to have a new one every two weeks i think yeah. they have two or three teams rotating or something but they have to set up the entire thing coming the entire broadcast the whole the, you know yeah. everything it, it, it's it's Really it was super cool because my client was one of the teams. And so oh, wow. going in and talking to all of the people that did exactly what you were, were talking about, was because it's the last race of the season, the championship was a foregone conclusion. Sure. So uh, these they were just, all of the engineers were like, oh, we're just turning every dial to 11 because we just want to see what happens because this car is done. We're not using it anymore. So we just want to see what happens uh, if we if we do that. So it was really interesting talking to them uh, as well. So I, I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity, but I did not really get a chance to properly explore Abu Dhabi. And obviously because it's of attache, uh, we did a lot of exploring. Yeah, it's it's a it's a great episode. I mean, you made me discover something that because I've been yes, maybe for context, I've been several times to Abu Dhabi. I always liked it compared to Dubai. Not that I dislike Dubai, but Dubai is kind of the flashy. Mm. I, I always almost want to use the term like you know the Benjamin, the the, the, the smaller brother that you know like kind of overcompensates a bit, uh, whereas Abu Dhabi is more confident, so it's more quiet. Actually, it's, yeah. it's where the money is, right? We know yeah. that. But also, it's it's, feel, it's more family-oriented, I, I, I would probably say. They didn't choose the same uh, route as uh, as Dubai. Uh, this is not a judgment, guys. I'm just saying it's a very different atmosphere. Yeah, it's definitely a contrast, and, yeah, I, and, and a palpable contrast, too. And so I had been, you know, to the Louvre, which is fantastic as a, as a building itself is absolutely fantastic. But I had never visited the market, which uh, you visit during the uh, during the show, and I really want to go now. Yeah, the Almina Fish Market. It's 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 been completely renovated. I guess they did it during COVID, and it's fantastic because it is out where the fishing boats come in and also where there's the date market and a few of these other wholesale fruit and vegetable markets. So it was, it was a great experience and I'm glad that we were able to get out there. We didn't go to the Louvre because uh, a, we ran out of time and B it wasn't in the area that we were trying to capture and wander it's around. It's one of these areas that they are building. There's going to be yeah. a Guggenheim, I think, or something as well nearby, which is not finished. So they're like, yeah, this, this is the issue sometimes in the, in the cities that they are building like new areas. That's exactly what it was. Like back in the day with Dubai, when you had like, I'm talking back in the day, I'm talking like in a very old person, <laughs> like down, you know, which is Marina now and even further, there was like, there was almost nothing in between, which is not what is now downtown and uh, mm -hmm. the most southern tip. And now it's a one single city. So yeah, so at the beginning you were like, do I want to go there? And now it's like part of the same city. So the same will happen with, 
with Abu it Dhabi. It definitely but, uh, feels like that. One question before we go, because I know we are an aviation podcast, but how was it during, you were during Ramadan, how was it? Yeah. Do you feel any difference? Uh, I was very concerned about that for a number of reasons. Primarily, I wanted to make sure that I was being respectful. Yeah. Um, at, not only as we filmed, but also as we uh, were just trying to exist, you know, yeah. going around. Um, and I, and I was, I was, I asked you, I asked a lot of other people, like, what should we expect? You know, is this going to, am I a fool? And people said, actually, you know what? Generally, it's, uh, it's yeah. a good time of year to go because mm -hmm. places are quieter, yeah. uh, except in the evening. Um, yeah, and that was, that was our experience. But I asked rather trepidatiously the concierge at the hotel when I checked in, I said, you know, is it, am I going to be able to, you know, eat and go out and, and, he, and he laughed because he thought I was joking and he's like yeah yeah no it's fine man it's 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 okay yeah you know kudos to for asking and then I want like the first morning I went down to a little uh before Greg had arrived coffee uh chain and I wanted to eat something and I was like is it okay if I sit in the window and the woman's like yeah <laughs> it's fine chill I mean again thank you for asking but it's it's fine Maybe don't go around, you know, tongue effing yeah. a Big Mac as you walk down the street, but yeah, everything else. But that's that's what I remember having been to to DOE and others during Ramadan uh, several times. Yeah, basically even avoiding to basically like show off a bottle of water, uh, which sometimes can be hard if Ramadan is later in the year, it's very hot. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, it's never been an issue. That's what I told you. It's never yeah. been an issue. It, it, everything, it was in no way. I mean, the, the market was, was bustling during the day. It was no problem for us to eat. It was no problem to be. So it was, it was as life was carrying on. What was lovely, though, was that when the sun did go down, the whole yeah. place just came. All the that. shopping malls, all I the restaurants. That. The atmosphere was, yeah. was really, really And the really food great. at that time is actually amazing. There's a celebration around it. Oh, I yeah. mean, Middle East always celebrates food, but there's a celebration around it. And yeah, I mean, it's like at the end of the day, it's like everywhere. If you're respectful of uh, local norms, and here local norms includes, you know, the aspect of Ramadan. I mean, you you mostly fine, but kudos for you for you to having asked because I think it's important to to, to do so. To um, yeah, yeah, it was important to, to make to a faux pas. Well, yeah, and all, I mean, it's the ethos of 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 the yeah. of the show to an extent as well as being respectful travelers. Yeah. But I mean, I was also, if I'm being honest looking at it from a practical perspective as well so. i i was very happy to see now my memory is a bit blurry but i think you're you're showing uh jolly b in your episode yeah which is a, a filipino um food chain says so a fast food chain pardon me um which as an ex-resident of manila myself i was very happy to see <laughs> yeah, we have one in london actually yeah there's one in san francisco else court i think here in london mm -hmm. um it was one of my first, everybody told me that I had to, to try when I moved to the Philippines. Uh, so, you know, the Jolly Spaghetti at uh, Loretta Mall was my first experience. The second day, I think I arrived there or something. Uh, there's also the Yum Burger, which is very good. And the burger, Chicken yeah. Joy, I think it's called. I mean, they have like stuff. It's really nice. <laughs> I was really I happy. Like Jolly which is, of course, fair as well, because uh, there's a large Filipino community in Huge. the UAE in the region as well. So they have, a, it's, it's a fantastic place. Uh, I know it's just a fast food joint, guys, but I maybe you have like this soft spot for it because I used to live there. I was really happy to see it in your episode. One day, one day you'll do a Manila episode. Yes. And I'll take you there. Then I'll take you to the Charlie B. I've been for the first time. Anyway, maybe um, go to uh, the the travel itself. Um, 
because for me there's burning questions there's two first is how was etihad because i guess that's why you've flown and mm -hmm. two is was the midfield terminal open <laughs> <laughs> well yeah two, two very important questions i well yes i i did fly etihad and i had a credit that was expiring and i kept kicking it there was a flight that i was due to take from london to sydney on Etihad in business class in March 2020. Oh, yeah, I remember that. And obviously, for um, <laughs> we know <laughs> the obvious reasons, it was canceled. Yeah. And I had this travel credit. I also used miles to upgrade. I transferred some miles over, I think, from Amex. And so they were just sitting there. I hadn't had an opportunity or, frankly, need. I had flown Etihad in the end. No, actually, I hadn't. You had never flown Etihad? I had flown Etihad, but oh. not not since this cancellation. And I kept uh, extending the the, val the validity of the credit, and they eventually emailed me and said, we've made it an open ticket, and it will expire on this date, and you need to use it by then, otherwise this you lose it. This is it. And I thought, okay, you know what? That's reasonable. That's reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. And I had looked exactly. around at places, and I had been yearning to return to the Middle East and film there. And I had looked also to try and connect it with a trip I was already doing to Portugal for, for work, other work, speaking work. And I spent way too long <laughs> looking at all of the departure points in Europe and if they would jive with my schedule for Lisbon, which was fixed, and also whether or not it was good value for money. And actually, it was I think I traded some notes with you on this while I was doing it. Oh, yeah. But oh, it, yeah. That's why I know it was a very long process because you kept asking me questions. It also like, yeah, just not simply. Like, it was about transit as well because. What should I do? What do you think? What would you do if yeah, you were in my well, place? Yeah, well, of course. It's also one of those like, validate my bias, please. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> but it was, yeah, there was no Etihad flight from Lisbon to Abu Dhabi. They just started it last month or restarted it. I can't remember if they did it before. That was not an option. But the the discrepancy in fare from departure points in Europe for essentially the same service between European City X and Abu Dhabi was yeah. incredible. Oh, wow. I mean, I think I shared the one uh, with from Rome. Rome to Abu Dhabi on Etihad was like 119 pounds. Rome or Milan. And I was like, well, what the hell is that? <laughs> and then, you know... the, the other other cities it was it was more reasonable and there was a trend barcelona paris geneva zurich amsterdam bearing in mind that i was going from lisbon so going to up to amsterdam was a little yeah. inefficient they were all in the, around the same price point heathrow was the Probably outlier yeah. for just forget it forget About it to be frank, it was a bit similar pre-COVID as well. Oh yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not trying. Remember, to... Remember, we were doing, and I was doing. I did uh, Etihad on several occasions when I would fly from a European yeah. um, origin. I'm not trying to poop on Heathrow. It is, yeah, what of it, course. you know, we we know that for the the taxes and everything and the landing fees make it prohibitively expensive. It was well, just an and interesting... I think simply the the market. Simply, there's a lot of people flying. Yeah, from, we've you know, seen those fares across the Middle East carriers from from Heathrow, which is kind of goes back to something I said in a video I did for Attaché about finding fares. You you know, we're now yeah. back in a place where looking in Western Europe 
is not a bad strategy, especially if you're doing premium. And for that, ITA ma Matrix is uh, very useful. ITA Matrix is good. Google Flight's just getting really yeah, good Yeah, Google Flight too. has more and more of the features of ITA Matrix, I mean, which makes sense, but they've, yeah, yeah I agree. And, and power as well, speed as well. Mm -hmm. But it was, so I mean, Google Flight's was my, was, was a real helper here. And eventually I settled on Zurich for a number of reasons. Me first, because I think you, it's the best well, you, I mean, I <laughs> think in the duration of our friendship have not shut up about how great <laughs> Zurich is as a transit airport. And it's a hundred percent true. And I <clears throat> have experienced it out of a necessity and practicality. Zurich was the only one that had a connecting flight from Lisbon in the morning. So very early in the morning, because all of the flights were either around 10 or 11 a.m. to Abu Dhabi. And yep. so I needed to to get to Zurich or Paris or Amsterdam or whatever in, in time to connect yeah. to that early morning flight. And I couldn't go the day before because my speech was ending too late. Mm -hmm. And there weren't flights from um, Lisbon to wherever that were that were going to work then i that would also then require me to stay overnight in a at an airport hotel a lot of you know factors to consider there Zurich was the obvious one the connection was tight it was an hour and 10 minutes but it's Zurich. Exactly. so i didn't uh, any other airport i would have said hour and 10 with a non-protected itinerary or unprotected itinerary forget it but Zurich, and you assured me like yeah it'll be fine <laughs> Munich M Munich would have worked as well, probably. These are two airports I trust on short connections. Yeah. The opposite I, of Frankfurt. Right. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I mean, it was it was tight, and I yeah. looked and found a Swiss flight from Lisbon to Zurich that left, I think, at like 5.55 a.m. that morning with an hour and 10. I looked at the on-time performance. It was Okay. <laughs> but you think you know first flight of the day you're Should not be, yeah. you're not going to be affected by any late turns you know in the incoming airplane and i could i could watch the night before and see is the plane going to arrive yeah well that's a lot of stress actually when you yeah and i had you know and i i settled on zurich it was a decent fare it, it almost to the penny used my flight credit up okay. in economy to go zurich abu dhabi abu dhabi london in economy but i also had enough um miles to upgrade to business for both of those legs awesome. which then those miles were also expiring so i used the uh etihad chat feature which is fantastic and they were able to to uh, tell me that there wasn't availability and then three four days later jump back on again no problem upgrade i think pennies to for taxes okay. and fees to go in in business class for both uh, legs on both legs yep okay good. good which is great so i was very excited about that i had a couple of etihad experiences pre-covid in business and was so impressed and i was looking forward to it if we go back 24 hours i'm looking at my speech situation and i was starting to get antsy about making this connection in zurich so i thought i'm going to book a flight on, on tap from lisbon to zurich the night before my abu dhabi flight just maybe some miracle will happen and i'll be able to get from the south of lisbon on the water to the airport through the horrendous lisbon traffic in time and then I'll, you know, I've already looked, airport hotels in Lisbon are really, really cheap. That's, that will just give me some peace of mind. I won't have to, to worry about it. 
It's not going to happen. Forget it. But, you know, it's there and it's a fully refundable fare. So if I don't make it, it's, it's not the end of the world. So I do my speech and I get there and they're like, oh, we're running 45 minutes late. The whole schedule is running late. And I was like, okay, well, that's that. That's not that. I'm going in the morning. That's fine. Whatever it is. This happens all the time. Do my speech. It goes well. And I'm looking at the clock and I'm looking at the traffic and I thought, and I'm like, you know what? I might have a whack at this. I might, I might be able to do this. Oh. So I hail an Uber and I say as best I can, like, I got to Do you think we can do this? And she's like, yeah, we'll give it a whirl. And we zip through the traffic and it's rush hour. And so the traffic is, is horrendous. And I, if you've, if you've ever driven to Lisbon airport, the approach road is just a disaster. I agree. Yes. Total disaster. I I forgot if we've ever done Lisbon as an airport because there's been a huge backlog of airports that, you know, before, uh, since COVID, we haven't covered that we were doing back then. But yes, they always, by the way, they always had a plan, I think, to build a new airport, which would be more south. So that would be closer to where that's still in uh, science fiction. It's north and it's, it's, yeah, yeah, it was. The ending, yeah, it's always, uh, I know know exactly what you mean. They've routed, and I can understand this because with with so much Uber and taxi traffic, I think taxis are exempt, but Uber traffic and ride sharing traffic. you have to go to the. um, You go into this, what was a kind of drop off for. Yes. You know, friends and family kiss and is fly, now yeah, exclusively yeah. kiss and fly. Yeah, or yeah. Uh, uh, I think cell phone last they call it in America, but they uh, they've 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 said this is only for ride sharing, and you have to wait in a queue to go in. And they have cops like get out, you know, go 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 yeah. go. And we're this sitting is the there. red zone, and red zone is exactly for unloading and unloading <laughs> of passengers. No, Linda. <laughs> 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 But the, you know, and we're you know we start we enter this queue outside of the airport, on the yeah. main road, and I was like, oh, and the clock is ticking and ticking and ticking and ticking, and eventually, the sweet lady drops me off, and I I run in, I'm like handbaggage only, it's business class ticket, so premium security, fast track security, whatever. I'm like I've got forty minutes until this flight takes off. They close the gates at thirty minutes, or they close the you know, the barrier yeah. will not let me yeah. through at 30 minutes. I'm like, I might, I still might be able to do this. And by this point, I'm like, I'm going to do this. <laughs> and so I, I run up to the premium thing and I scan my boarding pass and I'm like, try, the, oh, no. try the next one next to me. No. And the, I said to, you know, the, the guy manning the, the yeah. e-gate, and he's like, you got to go talk to TAP. And I run over to the pre- to the gate and and go to the business class check-in, which was empty. And she she goes, oh no, if you if you can't get through, you need to go and talk to customer service. They're in they're in there, and it's in this sort of glassed off waiting room in the corner of the terminal. Yeah. There's an automatic sliding door, and I I run in there, and I go up to the desk. There's no one in there except for these four ladies behind the desks. And I go, ah, and they're like, ah, do you have a number? I was like, what? They're like, you need to take a number. I'm like, but there's no oh, one come here. On. You need to go outside and take a number. Oh, come on. And I'm like, but I need to, I'm my flights. No, you need to go outside and take a number. Oh, c- come on. Oh, God. And I'm like, okay, I, okay. I'm not going to lose my shit right now. So I walked out. I took a number. <laughs> tick, 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 
tick, tick. Seven oh, minutes later, at this point, I'm like, yeah, no. I go in after my number's called. I'm like, that was a waste of time. <laughs> and that's she's she's like, what's what's this, what's what, what's the issue? And I said, well, I can't get through. And she looks. She's like, you know, tapping away on the computer. She's like, the flight's closed. And I'm like, when did it close? She said, one minute ago. Oh my, no, come. And I'm like, no way. Man. Okay. She's I'm like, been so pissed off. At she's like, she's like, she looks at me. Actually, she didn't even look at me. She didn't even look up from the computer. She's like, and also, you made your reservation for tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, no way. Man. What? She's like, yeah, you're you go in 24 hours. That's why I didn't let you through. Oh, and I was my. like, what? <laughs> she's like, yeah. And she's like, there's nothing. I, I, I was like, can you put me on the flight now? She's like, no, it's gone. <laughs> Alex, like, what just, have you done? I was just like, and I was like, is there anything else? She's like, I could get you to Geneva. I'm like, Geneva's not Zurich, you know? I'm like, you know what? Forget it. I was like, I, I, it's my own stupidity. I will pay the price. Alex. She's like, you'll get your money back. And I was like, oh, man, I must have been like, Playing with so many dates and yeah, connections dude. and oh like all of that. She's um Alex. I know. I think I've only done that once before in my life. And that's for me the only only reason not the only reason, but I you know, I have these auto things when the the flights populate my calendar mm-hmm. because sometimes it's very obvious that I made a mistake because suddenly they think I'm like, this shouldn't be here. Yeah, but, and I think shit. Oh, there was man, a notification sucks, that made me raise my eyebrow about anyway, you know, check-in being open. And I thought, really? They only do 12-hour check-in? That's dumb. But it wasn't because <laughs> it was for tomorrow. And so you know what I did? I I was thinking, like, what is my next move here? And I just, there's a little bar cafe at the entrance to the terminal there with an outdoor seating area. And I had a cold beer and a packet of crisps <laughs> and just sat there. And I was like, Perfect. you dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to go back to the hotel, which is already paid for. And yeah, I don't have to worry about that. Took the metro back. I'd forgotten how great the metro system in Lisbon is and how wonderful it is that it connects directly to the airport. Mm-hmm. And it was a breeze. Just getting back into town on the metro is is by far the best way to go. And stayed in this. Uh, went and had a lovely uh, supper at a tiny little place uh, in Lisbon. Went to my hotel room and got an Uber at I think half past three in the morning the next day. Got my went back into my you know the scene of my disappointment and uh, embarrassment. <laughs> Was able to get through the gates this time because my flight was that day. <laughs> and uh, Lisbon Airport was like, it was dead at this point. There was a lot of uh, people, but there was no, no, nothing open. Oh. Uh, nothing opened until yeah. six, which is when my flight was. But it, I didn't, I wasn't really in the mood for, for anything. And uh, sure enough, my cold and dark Swiss A3, ancient A320 was, was sat there and everything fired up on time and i felt i felt pretty good about it bearing in mind that when we got on board the very friendly tiny little pilot a uh, very senior female pilot came out and and did her announcement at the front of the cabin which i'm always a fan of nice and said uh we're ready to go y'all are here thank you uh, she didn't say y'all because she's swiss uh <laughs> but 
We're all here. We're ready to go. Doors are closed. But our friends in France are on strike. The strikes. The strikes. Yeah, they've been on strike for basically for five years now or something. Yeah. Oh, my God. And she said, we have two options here. We can go the long way. Mm-hmm. Which I had observed some flights doing from Southern Europe to West to sort of I guess you know Eastern Europe the day before, or we hang tight for about twenty minutes and see what we can do. And she's like, my uh, my inclination is we do the latter because if we do the former, then we could lose our slot time and be late because we've had to go the long way. So we sat for twenty minutes, and I'm looking and looking and looking. She's like, the good news is if we get our slot. The flight time is really short because of the winds. Okay, it'll be fine. Yeah. So 20 minutes later, bang on precise Swiss time. She's like, okay, we got our slot. We're ready to go. Let's go. And oh, good. zoom, 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 out we go. Um, sort of beautiful uh, departure out over. Um, you kind of do a, a, a lazy loop to get altitude before you then yep. start to go north to wherever you need, you need to go. But it was, it was a great experience. You, th- this was, you know, old news to you, but it was utterly enchanting to me. In business class on Swiss, they give you a lovely kind of charcuterie box, but you also get a, a Swiss wooden cheese board. Yes. <laughs> I still have one or two somewhere. I took a picture of it and I was like, well, this is completely charming. It's, it's springly, yeah. isn't it? Uh, Maybe I forgot. Maybe you, yeah, you have yeah. more recent memory than me. And it's it's you get this cardboard box with your you know your bread and your cheese and your uh, meats and all of that. And at the bottom of it is this cheese board. And I was like, oh, this is so it so is. sweet. What a great idea! Yeah. Uh, very easy arrival into into Zurich. And I'm looking at the clock, going, you know, I'm going to be fine. This is this is no problem at all. I had about an hour and twenty minutes to get and i'm never a hundred percent sure about zurich protocol and this might be a swiss thing you'll have to tell me when you guys will probably remember when i was trying to get to athens to film my ba flight was canceled and i was routed the next morning through zurich and this was during covid and i we had we come off of our flight from london we then had to go through covid protocol which is fine but also through a passport check yes and it was just I mean, Brexit was still pretty fresh, and so the, the process was confusing and took a long time. And I thought, oh, we're going to have to do that again. But of course, it was. We did have to scan passports, and I think have them stamped. We did have to have them stamped, uh, but it was easy, straight through. Um, and then it's here's we we were talking about this at the weekend. Zurich is a big, a surprisingly big airport. And su- surprisingly complex in its layout. I mean, you have to go. Yeah, because it's been bolted on on yeah. all the time, like a lot of old airports. Yeah. And there's there's sort of satellite terminals that aren't satellite terminals that are linked by a train, and you have yes. to make sure you're you're going the right place to, because some is Schengen, some is not, some is transfers internet going here, going there. We were talking about Madrid Airport at the weekend. <laughs> And I was so glad to hear my vitriol for that place validated. Yeah, Paolo. But, to shout out to Paolo, we talked about. Uh, yeah, so we met with uh, Paolo, just a phenomenal guy. Really enjoyed yeah. speaking to him, and he, you know, he was he. You know, we were just sort of sitting there raging on Madrid, and I, I think I've decided <laughs> it's because 
if there's five steps in a process to get through Madrid Airport, the first three steps will be immaculately signposted and obvious. But the last two steps are like, oh, I don't know. Is it that way? Is it that way? Maybe it doesn't exist at all. Maybe you're on punk right now. <laughs> Zurich is effortless. It's just, you've, yeah. it was so obvious where to go. It was so seamless and easy. Even getting on the train, I wasn't worried because it was, everything worked, everything flowed in the way it did. And I emerged at my Etihad gate just as they started pre-boarding. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And the train has the added val value, unless you have your um, noise-canceling headphones. There's um, cows. The cows and the bells. And I think it was Heidi was giving us a, a greeting. Yes. <laughs> I, it just, I was so impressed by, by it. Because you're right, it, there are so many airports where things have been bolted on and it, it doesn't work. It's, they only failed to me once. I remember a long time ago, I think I flew from Montenegro and I was connecting probably Etihad, actually. It's a long, long time ago, 2017, maybe, where there was like a little moment. It was like I wasn't sure where to go. But usually it's, in general, if you arrive from London, you're at Gates D. And if you, in general, if you depart, uh, I mean, you that wasn't the case for you because you were coming from Schengen and Switzerland is part of Schengen. Uh, and if you depart like long haul flights, generally is that new terminal gates e which is you take the train to and it's like an island in the middle of in between two runways which is my favorite ter terminal in the world uh, they have like amazing views but of course you didn't have really time to enjoy anything because you were boarding directly but this is uh yeah this is it it's pretty it's all about signage i i, I you've never been to doha but that's the same thing the signage is very well done yeah. and it, it's kind of feels always in front of you you know you're walking and you cannot never lose sight of where you are yeah and these are airports like that and these are airports like madrid where it's not the case when you're like where, where, where am i going yeah. now um yeah i remember it's, watching uh, a documentary in the on the construction of of dubai airport mm -hmm. and this was 15 years ago at least and they had built the physical structure for the most part but then they they spent months and months Telling people, you know, getting people off the streets uh, yes. and saying, okay, you need to go from here to gate D, go. Yeah, how to, yeah, and then making sure, seeing what they were actually doing. Yeah, ca exactly. Yeah. Cameras everywhere. Everywhere, yeah. And I've met some of the guys who designed, uh, the not designed, sorry, some of the guys were responsible for these pathways. So they were, they had all these cameras because they're still running because yeah. they still have to improve. Yeah. Because the, the airport is near that capacity. It and was it's, so- It's, it's a science, know, man. It's it crazy. was so interesting to watch them go, do it again and do it again and do it again. No, that's that's not clear. And they would have all of these airport employees uh, and the, the challenge is like, whatever language you speak, I'm not going to speak. Like if yeah. you if if you speak forty five languages, I'm not going to speak a single one of them. So I'm not going to yeah. be able to understand you and just go in Arabic or English. It's there. Yeah, you're gonna have to fit. And if you can't, then we failed. And I thought that was really. And Zurich feels like they've they've done that. Of note, I th I think I've mentioned that. Of note, T uh, two at Heathrow was built like that. You can see if you if you look at the, simply the the floor. The floor, the color of the floor is changing if it's a high density area when you need to go slower yeah. and goes like, I think, whiter or like maybe less um, dark if you, if there's like, like free flowing areas and also the shape of the, the roof. Mm. There's, it's all like, I guess, psychological, that's maybe not the right term, but behavioral to kind of 
hint at you that there are choke points and that you need to slow down yeah. and these are like free flowing area you do whatever you want and i'm not talking about clever. t2b which is still a nightmare because it's bolted on and not, the train one day like in 2075 will be there mm -hmm. but it's uh, that's the same idea and you see that modern airports try to do that i mean smart modern airports try to to give you that sense where you don't have to think and it's kind of always there yeah, yeah. It's, it's, Sorry, it's, I interrupted. No, 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 no. I don't want. I certainly don't want to do all the talking in this. I, I, no, I, I was cool. just, <laughs> I was impressed by it after the fact. I mean, in the moment, I was just thinking, uh, I need to make my flight. I need to make my flight, and I was thinking purely like, just get to the gate. But afterwards, I was like, that was effortless, and I'm here, uh, and it's it's no problem, and. On then on reflection, I'm like wow, that was that really was no problem. That was that was pretty pr pretty amazing. So kudos to Zurich again. I will steadfastly reiterate your endorsement of that airport as as the place to transit because it's it just works. It just works. Yeah, it does work. And for an airport, for me the best, and I, because I will reiterate that as well. Munich is also close. I find it very easy to. I mean, I, I've lost my status of on Lufthansa and Star, so I'm not sure I'm going to use those a lot. I mean, Zurich probably more often simply because I'm Swiss, but um, yeah, they're very good airports. And Zurich for me stays my favorite. Also in the design choices, how it looks like, how it feels, I, I, I love it. And this is, guys, this is nothing to do. I mean, of course, people say, well, I have a bias, but no, I wish uh, more, should we call it a middle-sized airport? Because yeah, I don't it's remember, not, it's, it's like 30 million people. It's not overwhelmingly huge, but I think it needs to... It, I, I don't think it's fair, and I don't think this is what you were doing, to say it's easy to transit because it's not big. Yeah, exactly. It's I was trying big. to say it's still, it's it's big, and it's most, it's a lot of transit, and it works really well. Yeah. I need a, to go back to something really quickly because it's, it would be please. remiss of me. I would be remiss if I did not mention this. I flew from, I flew to Lisbon on BA. Oh, yeah. I didn't ask you. How did you fly there? On BA. Um, okay. And... Not only was I greeted by name by the Good. cabin manager. Nice. She made. Were you in business? I was in business, and I was okay. still gold at this point. I'm no longer gold. <laughs> she was like, "Oh, you know, what are you going to Lisbon for? Have you been before? How long are you going? Like, that's great, you know." And I'm like, "You know, what? what? I expected her to rip off her mask and be some kind of Borg, but she. It was. It was. I'm starting to see a trend." of not sucking let's not talk about the it but anyway they're, they're listening it felt, to layovers they're listening to you rant about know. you know what hey you all got your status extensions i didn't so i'm trying yeah. to kiss some ass here to get uh, back, back <laughs> to gold. that's gonna happen anyway it felt like necessary to, to mention that i was on a dreamliner if we go back to to zurich and etihad, etihad yeah. i was on it was a dreamliner i was so in did business. you have the studio what was the seat layout? It was not the studio. It was the other one, which is kind of what Iberia has, I think. Or is it like the herringbone? It's not. No, it's not a herringbone. It's a. It's the all, all straight, straight ahead. Uh, pretty open. Pre pretty open. It has the the little corner table in the door in the doorway. Yeah, I'm pretty but sure. There's no that, door. Yeah. I've taken one of those like um, 2018, I think. Yeah, kind of like what they have on the 380 or had on the 380. Are they still flying? I think the 380 oh, yeah. now is studio because 2019 I flew anyway. We're here, people. We're getting we're losing people. We don't really care about the minutia of which seats on which plane. Well, Some of you might love that, but yeah, they have 
the studio was the, the one that had that there was their new one which you have a lot of privacy you don't yeah. have a door but i'm again as you know guys i'm not i'm huge on doors anyway and it was two 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 mm -hmm. i think at least on the um the, the 380 and it's really tastefully done uh the, the version you had maybe I'm, I'm i'm wrong but this reminds me of what iberia has which I've flown as well as, not Iberia, but I've flown that version. I mean, but it's still good. I mean, it's not, this is not a, this is what I'm saying. Just, yeah, it, yeah, it, it is good. It's, it's, it's really good. Um, I, I really like their, um, aesthetic for want of a better word in those cabins and not actually on the planes in general. I was surprised at how quiet the flight was. There wasn't that many people, um, in the gay area when I got there and there wasn't that many people in business class. Which is maybe why you got like an easy upgrade. Easy upgrade, yeah. But not initially. I mean, it, 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 it took a few tries to get it, but it was, it was nice and quiet. I had a window seat, obviously. The, I always love the Middle Eastern carriers because they, their cabin crew are from all yeah. over the world. I know. And I think the, the lady that looked after me was Korean. And it was because there were so few people, it was very attentive. And it was very like, are you sure you don't want to eat anymore? Are you sure you, I, what can I get you? Like, there's nothing else going on. Like, <laughs> He's like my Greek grandma. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I, and I with food in the, the flat. Like, uh, oh, eat more, you're not gonna grow. Exactly. Look at me now, <laughs> bless our soul. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, it was a lot of that. And you know, the, the IFE is great. It's got those big, beautiful screens, live TV, and lots and lots of movies and, and games and, and I, I just think it's one of those comforting, relaxing environments that they've managed I, to create. It's not too ostentatious and loud. I really like their color palette. Yeah. Very soothing. And There's something very soothing about you're, you're the right. colors they chose. And the lights uh, yes. reflect that, not just in the cabin, but also at the seat level. Yeah. It's very cohesive. And that's rare, even down to the amenity kits. It's all complimentary. Yeah. Agreed. And very very comfortable, and I was, I was exhausted uh, because I didn't get a whole lot of sleep, and it was I was running around. It had been a, a busy few days leading up to it, and I don't want to just. I appreciated it. I took it in, but I just wanted to have a glass of champagne and a, a nice meal, maybe watch a movie and, and and catch up on some sleep. And that was the perfect environment for it. It was relaxed and calm and quiet and they were attentive without being invasive which is such a delicate balance i find and True. not like being i mean i love 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 emirates but when you're on a a380 in business there's a lot of there's a lot of people there's a lot of zoo people. there's a lot of movement just because there's a lot of people this 100 quiet and calm and exactly what I needed, the food. I always go for the Middle Eastern options when I fly on Middle Eastern carriers. Same, same, of course. And almost invariably it's outstanding and this was no exception. It was fantastic. And we, we landed at about, at sunset essentially in, mm -hmm. in Abu Dhabi, but coming in over Saudi Arabia, one thing struck me and I was on the, I think they do free messaging Wi-Fi. So I was trying to tell everybody that would listen to me about this. You fly over the desert in Saudi Arabia 
And there's just waves of sand. It looks like you're on a kind of taupe colored ocean. As far as you can see, there's nothing, 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 nothing. And it really made you feel quite insignificant. <laughs> it was, it was very calm, very soothing. And I, I just sort of sat there staring out of that, out of the windows for, for a while, just completely mesmerized by this kind of hypnotic symmetry that was going on below me. But it was neat because you you fly down the Gulf and got a phenomenal view of Doha. This, you can see the stadiums in the airport and uh, the skyline of, of Doha because you're starting to come down. And, and then you do this long track along the coast of the UAE. Yeah. And then over the neighborhood, well, it's not really a neighborhood, the land between where the airport is and, and quote-unquote downtown Abu Dhabi before you do a 180 and come back and land. And it's interesting because you stay at the same altitude for a long time. And I, and I took a bunch of video to be then included in our, in our episode, but it's very barren. It's very low rise. It's almost mm -hmm. suburban. Mm -hmm. And then you can see all of these TBD areas where they've done the, the grids for the, the, for grids, the streets yeah but there's nothing there yet. The infrastructure is there, but there's no houses. And you're just, and it, with the, the light, the way it was, it was, it was captivating. And as soon as you land at Abu Dhabi, you're like, this is kind of a dumpy airport. <laughs> I know. Just before we go there, I, I would just want to reiterate what you said, because one of the reasons... Hmm. There's a mystique, I don't know how to explain that in properly, but there's a mystique of landing in the Middle East that, was, that I always associated, that I didn't know before flying. My first flight with a Middle Eastern carrier was Etihad, uh, more than 15 years ago now. And the first time I landed, I had this kind of impression. And the fact that you land either late in the evening or at night adds a bit to that mystique and that feeling of quietness and vastness yeah. of like also the, the cliches that you have in your mind. It must be a big desert. Yeah. We know now both of us that it's not only a desert, but I mean, you have these, and I, I always, I don't know, there's something soothing when I've landed in all these places, whether it's Doha or, you know, Dubai, or of course, um, Abu Dhabi. I always liked it for some reason because of that mix of things of, you know, again, the, the maybe the mystique are building it my head, myself in my head. I'm not no, no, I think true, it's such I, a great invitation. I really enjoy and, and I totally see the the route you've taken to land because it's exactly, I've done it few uh, like many times actually. And there's, I, it adds, you see all the other spots and it's like, oh, they're very close yeah. to each other because sometimes you can see Dubai, you can see, and, and I don't know, there's something that I, I, I like a lot about it. And yes, because I'm going to get you led on with it. Yes, the airport is... I I don't know, man. It's uh, and you know what? You probably arrived, and you're gonna tell us in a second. You probably arrived at T three, which is their main. You know, T three was actually built, opened. Pardon me, in April two thousand and nine. So it's mm -hmm. not that old, but it feels like it's from the seventies anyway. You're, you're <laughs> like at, when yeah. I when I when I I remember actually landing in Abu Dhabi probably in two thousand and nine probably like a month or two after it landed. It didn't feel that old, but there was something, especially when you compare it to, to, to Dubai next door, it feels even older. But I, I mean, go on. No, you're 100% true. It, it feels, it has all the hallmarks of a dated airport. 
the low right, ceilings the and layout, everything. Yeah, and and just space, just the way it looks out from the exterior as well. The only signal you have that something is afoot is the beautiful control tower. Yes. Oh my God, this is my favorite. And it's it's striking in its in its shape and its design, but also its size. It's yes. is it? Did was it you that was saying it's the tallest? Or I don't among remember the tallest in the world. If it were, it's among the tallest. I don't remember which one is the tallest. Was it the one at Jeddah? Or tallest? maybe one of the Chinese one at, ones now. Istanbul? Yeah, maybe. Oh, Istanbul, I mean, I yeah. Maybe, but it's, I don't know, but you can see That it. one for me, especially that because it's super flat, it feels yes. like it's in the middle of the desert. Yeah. And again, because you land or you depart late at night, early morning, it has this little bit of haze yes, that's, in front of it because of the heat. And it looks like, what is this? Is, I just my favorite. Is it supposed favorite. to be a Dow sale? It looks like one. I don't know. I've I've not le- looked into it. Probably. I'm sure yeah. it's something far more obvious that I'm missing. But it was it was great, and we uh, hilariously. Um, well, there's, there were a lot of sailboats, you know, like for the in the past yeah. in these regions when they were like because it was a they were sort of free ports, weren't they? At least Dubai was. Anyway, sorry. We we pull up, a, you know, in this dumpy terminal, and they're like, "Okay." <laughs> The buses are here. I'm like, buses? What is this? Yeah, I'm like, I know. Contact? So you, you get on the bus. Actually, I, I didn't think that in the time. I was like, oh, that's fine. Whatever. Great. Um, because buses usually mean you're going through tarm- on the tarmac and you're going through cargo areas. And you're like, oh, this is great. You know, in an airport, I don't really know that well. I get to see a lot of stuff. And they had a business class only bus. And there's like eight of us on there. It felt unnecessarily ostentatious. And... Yes, but when you are, I know it feels like super privileged, but when you are late to a connection, oh, it's really nice to have. I wasn't I'm not complaining. Tears, <laughs> right. I mean, I've had, I've had even like first class buses for myself, which make even less, you know, can't put me in the business class one, guys. However, when you're super late, it was not your case because you just, for me, you was an arrival, another connection. You kind of like, yeah, of course you feel like a baller, but at the same time, like, can you go faster? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not wait yeah. for everybody else. <laughs> yeah, and you, so. you know, it's a you go into this terminal, which we've we've already described as as nothing special. But the immigration process was e-gate, so yeah, very straight through. Was it okay? Good, no problem. Yeah, easy, easy, easy. I was. That's my that's my memory as well. Uh, I, for context, guys, last time I went, it was twenty nineteen, I think. So, yeah, yeah. Easy. You do the you do the 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 luggage scan as you leave. I don't think anybody was actually looking at the screens or anything. It was just cursory. Like, and I was landside in five minutes. It was very, very easy from that perspective. And I, Good. I, I really, from what, from my research and then experience in Abu Dhabi. So the research and developing the episode and then actually experiencing it, Abu Dhabi as an Emirate and as a city has transformed Mm-hmm. During COVID, all okay, of so the all of the processes and procedures that were either cash based or paper based are gone, absolutely yeah. gone. Everything takes card. Everything's been automated. Everything is is touch free or self service. And the tourist information has not caught up to support that. So someone wrote an article in 2018. And it's unrecognizable now. I th- and I, I think that's a reflection of it. it, was, it was, yeah, that's the case, I think, yeah. in a lot of regions. But it's true that even in Dubai, which was more tourist-friendly, I don't yeah. know if I say that correctly, even I found it when I went back after COVID that it, you know, it was even 
cash is not a thing anymore. No, it, <laughs> and everything you can you can have everything. Even I uh, know it was no. It's uh, I'm not surprised. And they invest a lot of money in these things. And my experience in 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 Saudi Arabia last year, although I don't didn't have the contrast the the comparison from pre COVID, was telling. Like I, I told you guys a story. Um, every like in the middle of the desert, I was able to pay with a Apple Pay. Yeah, everywhere, it was not even a thing that I asked for it. <laughs> I think it's yeah. it's it's something that I, a lot of people have been asking for from from what I've read, and it was. It makes our lives easier. It does, and I think it makes their lives easier as well. Oh, of, course, yeah, of course, uh, it's okay. just one less barrier to commerce, and I think that they've really embraced that, and it was apparent throughout our entire experience. Okay. Uh, and I'll fast forward. Etienne was great. I, I wasn't expecting anything less, to be frank. One of the detours, and I won't spend too much time on this, but I will mention it because it is a, a, a aviation related. We took a hot air balloon in the empty oh, yeah. quarter you have a small uh vignette episode on yeah attache, i wanted which is i wanted to do that i thought it was i looked at a number of ways to explore the empty quarter and that was probably the most compelling i had been in a hot air balloon once or twice before in my life but decades ago and this was mm -hmm. fantastic we <laughs> this is out of dubai so greg fl flew into dubai yeah and came back up. He had a. I say yeah because you told me how can he. You were discussing as well how can you go catch him or the. Yeah, no, actually, thanks to your advice, it all worked out really well. He came in on BA, which was late, uh, and then late <laughs> departing. But we filmed in Abu Dhabi, and then we went to Dubai, and uh, stayed there. And our and our car picked us up at about four a.m. because they're always dawn flights because of the the weather's the calmest. You don't have the thermals from the heat of the desert. It's nice and calm to do a sunrise flight. And this was in May, April, within the last six weeks. 4 a.m., the, the bus rocks up, bang on time, easy, easy, get in the bus. And I'm like bleary-eyed. And I'm like looking out the windscreen. And looking out the windscreen. And looking out the windscreen. And I tap Greg on the shoulder and I'm like, is that effing rain? And he's like, I was just thinking the same thing, man. And I said out loud to anybody, I was like, is that rain? And he's like, and the driver's like, yeah, I have no idea where that's, he's like, sometimes that happens. He's like, but it's been months and months and months and months and months. And I was like, on the day that we're supposed to go in a balloon, <laughs> and the, we get there and the pilots are unloading seven or eight different balloons. I'm like, it's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. So we go up, just beautiful, beautiful morning, as the sun is coming, we have to wait a little bit for the rain to be 100% gone. And our pilot, I think there's maybe just 14 of us in this balloon. And what, from an AV geek perspective, what was fascinating to me is that not only were they talking to each other on the radio saying, where are we going to go? I'm like, well, you can actually have a choice. Because last time I went in a hot air balloon, the pilot would spit over the side and watch where his spit went to see which way the wind was going. And go, oh, if I need to, and then I need to go down a little bit. That's how I did my last time as well, a while ago, but yeah. Yeah, and I was like, no, oh, that's the way you do it. It makes sense. And they're reading, but they're also talking to air traffic control. Oh, of course. Uh, on, on a transceiver. And they also have an iPad with with the, the same software that we all use when we're growing up and flying 
in in light aircraft and you could see the thing moving and i could see us on flight radar 24 because <laughs> i was like does it have a transponder and the guy's like yeah of course it does i'm like oh, that's great <laughs> it was so funny and we're all going in this herd seven or eight balloons are just flying you know at varying heights for safety reasons but we're all generally going and they're like oh where should we go where's the land you know where should we la- end up landing and like oh let's go here no no the wind's too bad and it was really interesting trying to you know them figuring out the route and we flew over um this beautiful desert oasis camp that megan and i had been on our honeymoon so it was yeah. really cool to be able to look down and see that and just a really, really great experience. We landed within a hundred meters of each other, all of the balloons. It was incredible to watch, but the winds were so strong that we had blown all the way to another emirate. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was uh, It was pretty incredible. Out near to the mountains on which the other other side is is Oman. So it was it was a really wonderful experience uh and i had forgotten how glorious it is to float at four thousand feet in silence it's yeah it was just so peaceful so wonderful and you know blowing all the way to Sharjah was like oh wow i didn't even know that was possible and then as we stepped out we had a little bit of a rough landing and ended up on on the side of the basket which is not uncommon you ended up in Sorry, you ended up in Sharjah? We were in Sharjah, yeah. Oh, for me, when you say in other Emirates, I thought you were going no, to... No, in Abu Dhabi. Uh, no, we ended up all the way in Sharjah. Oh, wow. I didn't really... So it took forever to get to, to, to drive back. Um, but <laughs> as we emerged from our upturned basket, it was at that point that Greg decided <laughs> to reveal to me that he had had a lifelong fear of hot air balloons. Man. Like a crippling fear of hot air balloons. He did it for you. He did it. He did it, he for, did it for his art. I mean, for him as well. For his right, art. Too. And I, he loved it, I think, uh, once we were there. But I felt awful. <laughs> I felt so. I was like, you should have said something. We would. I would have. I checked with him before. I was like, hey, what do you think about hot air balloons? What do you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wonderful experience. I, 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 can't, I can't recommend it enough. So that, that was a, a fun aviation deviation really if you yeah. will um but yeah no it was it was it was well i don't it. i don't have a fear of hollow balloon obviously the only yours looked again guys look at the video on uh, youtube attache travel but yours look like a pretty big hot air balloon like accommodating quite a lot of people like the, the basket that uh, is is uh what do you call that not the basket yeah where, where you guys actually yeah the basket stand. yeah and uh <laughs> I mean, I, I, the last time I was to one, and it happened to me, there were like smaller ones, and, and the burners were very low, and I'm very tall. Oof. This is not a reason I don't have any hair, but it could be, because every time I'm like, this is going to burn me alive, in the, and I don't... It's, so I'd rather have... I've never been to such a big one that you you, you guys have been to. Uh, so I always enjoyed, but I always like very... Like, I'm going to end up like Michael Jackson in that famous <laughs> the Pepsi, Pepsi commercial, commercial yeah, yeah. where he got his air burned or something <laughs> it's really too close to comfort for me and to your um in 2010 when i was in dubai in the place that you've been with uh megan for your honeymoon the second part of your honeymoon 
Almaha. Uh, I was having dinner, and you're like in the middle of the desert, and there's nothing, and suddenly we had thunderstorms and rain, and it's probably one of my most magical moments mm. in my life to experience storms and rain in the desert, in the middle of nowhere, where there's no light pollution, so it's super dark, I mean, and it was freaking fantastic, and I was like, how can I capture that? I didn't. Uh, like, because I wish it's all in my head now, and, and, and I, I wish I had like some great camera to take it but it was it's magical it's it didn't last for very long probably like you it doesn't no, you no. Know, it's not these rains of the monsoon rains in in southeast asia or something but my god it's amazing it, and it's also refreshing it was refreshing and it was <laughs> yeah it made the sky even more beautiful in at dawn because yeah because was you had it in the morning so for cloud, yeah, course, there yeah. was it, it tamps the dust down um but you have the cloud of oh it was it was absolutely Glorious, yeah. and it made me want to learn how to fly him. <laughs> well, there you go. And um, so, did you see? Because that was one of my questions. Did you see that midfield terminal, uh, either on landing or departing later? Or so? Uh, well, I didn't know if you wanted me to carry on with the, with the rest of the trip, but I will tell you this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because look, guys. I mean, at the end of the day, we'll do this time. I promise you. We'll do another episode this month, yep. June, and probably one early July, even if they're closer together at the end of the day, because then you go a bit to the US, as you always do in the summer. And I know that we'll probably have another big gap. So let's, uh, can we commit to do another one in like a couple of weeks, yeah. probably? Why not? Yeah. Why not? Uh, so yeah, please go on, because it's an issue. And I have like more stuff to add anyway, but... Uh, yeah, that midfield. So, if, I mean, unless you want to share anything else about your stay in Abu Dhabi. No, no. So at that point, we were in Dubai, and we were we were both beat because of the three a.m. start. And I think we'd given ourselves a little bit of a rest day after we hit we mm -hmm. uh, returned from the the empty quarter or the kind of the edge of the empty quarter, really. And Greg was flying out of Dubai, so he hung around. Our flights were around the same time. I think my flight was at two a.m. His flight was at midnight. But you were flying from... I was flying yourself. from Abu Dhabi, so I... Oh, okay, so yeah, not... Okay. So I, I, I called an Uber, or Kareem, actually, and it's so easy, they have... So just to, because that you're saying, you're, Kareem has been bought by Uber. Kareem, how, although it's you often called from the UAE, most of the teams are from Pakistan, shout out to Pakistan, like 99% yeah. of the developers were in Pakistan. Uh, it's still two separate apps, however, yes. yeah, it's not a single login, and I really like Kareem, it's too. the way to go when you are in the middle. 100%, I use the hell yeah. out of it when I'm, when I'm yeah, out there, it works so well, and they have a special fare bucket, if you will, for going between Abu Dhabi and Dubai. Yep. That you true. can tell, you know, this is what I need. And they'll, you know, there's a, there's a fixed price and all of that. And so it's so easy to do that. And I, and by the way, because, uh, our friend, um, LA flyer had asked me because he has been to Abu Dhabi recently as well. Hi, uh, our friend Hakan. Um, if you fly business class on either uh, um, Etihad or Emirates and you have access, uh, you will have access to chauffeur drive in the in the UAE. Yep. You have the availability, you have the possibility to go to the others. You can arrive in Abu Dhabi and have the chauffeur drive drop you at Dubai or arrive with Emirates at Dubai and have the chauffeur drive drop you in Abu Dhabi. And there's also, I think both airlines 
have a bus running yes. if you don't have access to chauffeur drive. And I think it's free in air condition and everything. Yeah. Um, that's another opportunity um, to, to go. Sorry. No, no, I think it's it's great information. And I it's something that I uh, had to become quite an expert on to get Greg up to Abu Dhabi and then me back, and both of us back. And I was like, what? Cream is just so easy. And the guy came yeah, and picked Kareem me up within good man. time. And it's, you know, I just, it's an hour and a half, a little hour, 15 minutes. Uh, and as we're getting closer to Abu Dhabi airport, I could tell that he was getting antsy. Oh. And was like, I'm like, I feel like we should have gone that way as we're getting closer and closer. And I'm like, I didn't say anything because, you know, I, I he was, uh, I think, from, from from South Asia and my Southern Asian languages are not great. And his English wasn't great either. And eventually we go down this empty three lane road and three lanes in either direction go down into a tunnel and come up. And in front of us is the midfield terminal in all its glory, lit up, beautiful, like a mirage in a Star Wars movie, like there, pristine <laughs> and perfect. And a security guard comes out and they speak in, not in each other's language, but in a shared kind of like, I think we can get by on this. And the guy's like, how do I get to the airport? <laughs> And he's like, oh, you got to you gotta go, go back. back and go. He's like, but this is not it. It looks like it is, but it's not. So it's – and it got me thinking. I think I even messaged you. Like, it's there. It's lit up. It's inside and out. The roads are done. Everything is done, but they're not using it, which makes me think there's some catastrophic – I thought you were building that part. I thought you were building – and they haven't connected something. It was, you know, it was already in 2019, the last time I passed by, it was already lit up and already there. I know they've done some stuff. I mean, the state of Etihad was also probably a factor. It was not going that great. We'll go get to that in a few minutes because I have some info about that that I don't think I shared back in last year when it happened. Uh, but the latest is that they will open it in December. Uh, and it will be during the Independence Day of oh, the UAE, of course, because very uh, that, that would be you know celebration. Uh, and the rumor is that so currently there's three terminals. The rumor is Terminal One and Two will be immediately shut, and Terminal Three, which you've passed by, will, which is the latest addition, which I told you was opening '09 only, uh, will stay for a little bit for a transition period, but would be also mothballed afterwards. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, saying that, there were plans and announcements like these over the years. So yeah. I'm not holding my breath yet. I want to but know. But it's such a shame to have bid like this oh, multi-billion. It looks amazing. Yeah, right. And you're like, why don't you use it? I mean, I get it that Etihad is not in the same great state of affairs it was like seven, eight years ago. Uh, though I'm, I'm sure they will go back to being, I think they were profitable last year, actually, so it's good. But you have it anyway. <laughs> yeah. It looks it's not as if like, amazing. you started it and then you stopped it. It's there. <laughs> it, I, 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 want, I don't think we ever will, but I want to know what has gone on. Or I think I, because yeah. I remember watching a documentary about the A380 being built. And when they were building the prototype, there's this like, I don't know, foot wide 
bundle of cables that's that runs down the uh the spine of the airplane if you will and connects to the tail structure and they were putting the to the first prototype that was never going to fly together and they bolted the tail on and they were they were connecting this big bundle of cables to each other and they're like uh, and there was like two inches Oh, yeah. Two inches and they I've couldn't it connect it. Yeah. And the I felt so bad. And then I just had to go back and redo the whole cable bundle. But anyway, we'll see what it is. Oh, it could be oh, it could be a case of Berlin. It could be like because it sat there for too long, they had to redo some yeah. stuff. Like remember the, the was the screens were not working anymore. Yeah. Uh besides the all the other fuck ups at Berlin, like the fire and whatever. Yeah. But that this probably didn't happen at, at um, that midfield terminal. But maybe some of the stuff had to kind of do to be rechecked recertified or something. I'm sure that's so what it see. is. It December. looks like it's going to be great. I can't wait to experience it yeah. when it does eventually. They deserve it. They do, they do. They, they do, that airport This is, airline yeah. deserves a You're right, airport. because like going into the terminal to leave, you're like, this is... Yeah. And of course they're not going to invest anything in it because they've got that gem sitting down the yeah. road. But this was... It's a it's a crappy airport right now. And the, the Etihad Lounge is, is really tired. Well, they're not bad. Uh, oh, Physically, really? it felt there's multiple ones, so I don't know which one. But it's, it's, I mean, again, maybe mine is five. My, my memory is five years ago, and five years is a long time. Right? Also, my my expectation was from five years ago, and again, they're not it was. investing. The food is, yeah. you know, as buffet style, yeah. and it's and it's good, and and the service was was great. I, it was also like one o'clock in the morning, and I was pretty much done with it all by that point. But the terminal itself is is so tired and awful and i was excited to finally uh to get on the plane which was a 350 1000 oh wow my How was that? my first 350 1000 and oh yeah i i think i sent you a message saying i love that pretty right. sharp and their their product is is a suite so it does have a door uh, oh that's a new one. Oh, you have oh good but it will uh, be it? very familiar to anybody that's flown on basically anybody ba yeah uh that's the that's the looking at the images american yeah it looks what this uh kind of herringbone the herringbone so your feet are pointing towards the window you're back towards the aisle but it's 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 a riff on what we were just describing everything works what i did there's something about the dreamliner cabin that feels more um, well, I think you said soothing, and that's the perfect word. The A three fifty cabin felt brighter, but not in a good way. Oh, and again, it okay. may have been the fact it was two o'clock in the morning, and I was like, "Can we just turn off all these?" Maybe the lighting yeah. wasn't good. I, th- I think it's. I mean, I'm not. I think it is bigger, as in wider. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's just a matter of lighting, or maybe simply the. You know, choice of colors of the, the materials are, are lighter. Yeah, I th- I, th- I think, but yeah, everything else maybe. was great. The I went straight to sleep because I was so tired. But the 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 seat itself extends, and your your feet go into the footwell beneath the televisions, as is so standard on most of these configurations. Yeah. But everything everything worked. Everything was comfortable. It was quite a bumpy flight. There were quite a few jet streams going from west to east across Europe, but I was so tired. I, I, I slept right through it, and um, we landed at Heathrow, uh, um, bang on time. Actually, hilariously, Greg and I landed one after the other. His from Dubai, 
even though he was supposed to land two hours before me. His from Dubai yeah. and me from, from Abu Dhabi, we landed. Uh, which which terminal is Etihad using now? Two. In Heathrow. Okay. Yeah. It used to be at oh, uh, wait. four. Is it two or is it three? I can't remember, <laughs> to be entirely honest with well, you. Well, on arrival, it's uh, less important. Yeah. But you remember they had... They were at four and they had this uh, Etihad lounge house of the name of the house of the lounge of Etihad and other airlines that are associated with us, but not really. Yes. And we are a good lounge. Lounge. Uh, yeah, It was three. Uh, so that's why. It was terminal I, three I think because I had forgot. I hadn't been out of into the arrivals at terminal three in a long time. Uh, I might be making that up, but I feel like it was it was terminal three. But Well, the low ceilings. No, I'm wrong. It was terminal... Well, Flighty says it was Terminal 4. Oh, there you Can go. Can that be right? Oh, so they're back at Terminal Terminal 4. Maybe. I don't know. I, you know, I, you know. That's where they were. And I know that a lot of airlines have moved around. So that's where they were. I know that I think Air France et KLM are not coming back. Are they? No. See, this okay. is the thing. Anyway. It's musical terminals that you throw at the moment. Unless you guys are from London, you might not care yeah. about this very minutiae of Especially, as you said, our home airport. Arrivals. Is, I just wanted to get my car and go home. Yeah, right. Yeah, but it sucks if you are Terminal 4 and your car is at T5. Yeah, I think I had planned least. ahead and made sure that my car was going to be at the right place uh, at the yeah, right time. But I'm sure you had. I mean, the TLDR is Etihad are quietly great. There's not the ostentatiousness of of, of Emirates. Mm -hmm. um, it's always been the case. Yeah, I think it's always been the case. it sucks that they're not aligned with really with any alliance i think i would fly them a lot more they're not cheap but it was as i have experienced with them on every flight i've ever had on anti which isn't that many consistently good, good not yeah. like oh my god but this is comfortable and and good and easy the food was good the one so i i i like Etihad. i wish i had the opportunity to fly them more yeah no, oh, I, 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 I do too. I, as I told you guys, it was my first flight on a Middle Eastern carrier. It were, was on Etihad. I can't remember. Was it a three thirty, maybe three forty, even? I think we're talking a long time ago. And then I flew Emirates for a very long time, like as in I didn't fly anything else as a Middle Eastern carrier. And I went back to Etihad probably like mid mid tens, fifteen, sixteen. I can't remember. And I was really impressed because it felt, it felt a bit like a fast follower, as in whatever Emirates was doing, they were trying to do as well. Yeah. However, the taste of the interiors and the general experience is more akin to my own tastes. So I'm not saying here it's better, but I think to me, it was more the color, color palette that we mentioned. Everything was less in your mm. face, more... Which is, by the way, a little bit where Emirates is going now with the refurb. When you look at it, it's still more, you know, in your face. But when you look at the refurb, they're going a little bit more soothing. Yeah. And I've flown the new first class, which also the color palette has changed. So it's a bit better. But yeah, Etihad, I always, always loved. And, and again, I reiterate that feeling of landing. You said the empty quarters, not the empty quarter, you meant the the zoning that is created yeah. and that there's no buildings yet for a long time. I mean, you could see that in Doha, you can still see that in Doha, but you can still, you could, I remember seeing that as well, as well in, in, in Dubai. And now these areas are full or, you know, some of the, these islands were not created and now they are. Uh, this is always fascinating as a people who love like you and me cities and urban planning. And you look at these things, you know, like, 
and you i wish almost i could like have the same landing every time and i would take a picture every time and see how yeah it oh is. absolutely i think google earth has a feature where you can go back in time mm -hmm. uh and i think at least dubai is there you can see the difference it's uh yeah, I, 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 I love Abu Dhabi. It's probably less transient than Dubai yes. overall. Uh, I would agree. Uh, but um, it's, I don't know. And I like the, the the way that they are developing their own identity. Not that they didn't have one, but as in own identity for visitors. Yes. Uh, yeah, they're putting a lot of time like and energy and, of course, money into that. And it's yeah. obvious. And uh, even though du Dubai is as well, I mean, I told you, few episodes ago, I went to the, the new public library, al Call, I think it's called. Oh, yeah. They also are, you know, they, they rely on, you know, this idea of, of course, tourism, but also trade shows and fairs and conferences and events. But they also developing the other side of Dubai, uh, the a, a more cultural side as well that they had before as well. It's not, but it's it's it, yeah. Anyway, I'm rambling right now. It's uh, both cities are fascinating. Yeah. Etihad. So this is something I should have said, actually, because we've been, let's be fair, although we both like Etihad as the airline and the experience, the strategy in especially, what, 2016 onwards, with, you know, buying all these shares in all these airlines yeah. uh, became a little bit like a Swiss Air, which basically fails. So Swiss Air did the same and failed buying stuff that didn't make sense. And the strategy was not great. I mean, in in the same breath as I said earlier, fast follower. They were maybe trying to grow too fast in a different way than Emirates, which grew organically, but they had like they needed to catch up. And it didn't work. And I think what happened, this is my my um, opinion. Last year, I, I cannot remember the date, but last year the the sovereign fund, the sovereign fund, pardon me, of Abu Dhabi said, okay, you know what? Stop this. We're going to take direct ownership of the airline and we're going to run it ourselves. Yeah. And that's what they've done. They said, okay, all these experiments, goodbye. They've named their own um, CEO directly. So they have a, a direct control over the airline now uh, because maybe they, they started to be pissed off. Again, this is my opinion. And much in this case, pissed off at all the you know <laughs> ongoings of Etihad for too, way too yeah. long, uh, including probably the midfield terminal. So they, they, they appointed... Um, a guy that came from TAP, actually, uh, which he, I think he, he did a quite a good turnaround on TAP, which is why the TAP that we have today is not a TAP that used to yeah. be. And um, the mandate is very clear. The mandate is Etihad doesn't fly to places where it doesn't make money, which seems like a normal thing to do, but before it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Like it didn't feel like uh, evidence. The strategy and was it, probably we'll make money on the connection and not on the O&D. And or a lot of stuff with probably prestige as well, mm. and that included the very the ultra long haul flights. So we're talking sixteen hours plus, which they basically completely given up on. So these don't exist anymore. So I don't think they go to Auckland or mm. stuff like that. Maybe they will redo it one day when they. But actually, that proves to make money. Or the stuff in South America, yeah. they said that's gone. Um, they they want to do more. To your point, uh, more co chair and interlining agreements but they're not looking anymore at mergers and, you know, shares in other airlines because yeah, that clearly to, failed, yeah. let's be clear. <laughs> yeah. So that's gone. Uh, and uh, you remember, they even had like a share at Jet Airways, which went into bankruptcy, uh, completely disappeared, I think. Um, so they have a plan to triple the number of passengers uh, by the end of the decade wow. and also to double its fleet. So it's going to be a, probably 150, 200, 
aircraft, so not you know not Emirates large, but large. And um, one thing I didn't understand: <laughs> they say this is coming out of press release that from 2022 again, in the end, when when the the, the, the sovereign fund took over. The idea is to connect places like China, Southeast Asia, India, and the GCC, so the Gulf, to Europe and the East Coast of the US. I'm like, yeah, that's the idea of uh, simply of connecting like an Emirates. And I'm like, is that a strategy? That's what you were doing already. I mean, Etihad are good at that uh, Western Europe or Europe to the, to India. Um, the last few times I've yes. gone to India, I've gone through Abu Dhabi yes. on Etihad, and it's really good. Because Etihad... Oh, thank you for tricking me that memory. Etihad has, maybe is it because of that partnership with Jet Airways they had, but Etihad has a lot of lending slots rights in India, yeah. which other airlines wish they had but cannot because the the, 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 the the airline regulator is quite conservative in India, so that doesn't give a lot of, I think even Emirates just keeps trying to getting more slots because India is a massive market. Yeah with massive, uh, you know, uh, transit as well. So people go to Europe and other places. And Etihad for that has a really good shot at this because they have like, uh, I think they still have, because they reduce their size during COVID, they still have like a lot of unused uh, rights that they could simply use that they have the right to. So they could grow there a lot. They seem to have carved that little niche for themselves. I think they have a shot of becoming what they should have become Originally, all along. Yeah. I think from 2000 and whenever they were created in the 2000 and nots, probably to 2000, maybe 12, 15, that was a great airline that was growing, uh, even though with all the caveats of being too close to Emirates. Uh, and then, I don't know, something <laughs> didn't go quite mm -hmm. right. And I think they're correcting the course now. So let's see, I mean, maybe we'll have a shot. There's no, there's no, rumors of any alliance of sorts but let's hope yeah i hope so. i I'm a, I'm a fan i really am at least from a passenger experience perspective yeah same same i mean the rumor was back then that if if they were to join any um any alliance it would be but i'm talking pre-covid it would be star yeah that makes sense is that the case still i don't know maybe they don't want to mm -hmm. uh, anyway so um since we're in abu dhabi we'll guys will do a little bit of news a little banter unless sorry because i didn't did you was there anything else you wanted to mention about that trip? no that was it there was a lot of me talking no, it's fine i mean this is the we on. both traveled a bit but this was the best flight that i wanted to talk about because it was a long one one that i haven't done in a while and uh we'll be having another episode we'll talk to another few flights uh that we did but now let's do a little bit of you know, since we're in the region i'm I haven't. I, I know that some of our listeners may be like Paul. You always talk about the Middle East, yeah, because I've always been transiting to the Middle East. I tried not yeah. to in the past few episodes, so this time it's going to be a lot of Middle East again. Wizair, Wizair, you know that Wizair as a Wizair Abu Dhabi airline. Mm -hmm. So they uh, are recruiting like mad. Uh, what I didn't know is that in 2022 they had a six-fold increase in passenger numbers in Abu Dhabi which is a lot. Wow. And uh, they already flew more than 1 million now this year. And so they are, yeah, they are increasing to 40 destinations. And so meaning that people like to bunk on Wither in, in Europe a bit, being the you know latest of the, the low cost. And uh, yeah, but I mean, it seems to be working right. They seem to be doing a great yeah, job. I mean, um, and that's another option because they fly to Europe low cost to go to Abu Dhabi if you want to avoid the higher cost of uh, an Etihad, for instance. So yeah, I've I've never flown 
Wizard Abu Dhabi, so I cannot give you any insight. No, me neither. But why not, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It just opens up the region even more. Saudi, so that was episode uh, 121, I think, where when I've been to Jeddah and drove through the desert and the mountains and everything. So cool. <laughs> they invested, uh, I don't know if I said that back in the day, but the country is investing, like, I, thought, I don't know, north of $150 billion into aviation infrastructure, et cetera. So it's a lot. But one of the things that happened is that they're building new airlines. So they have Saudia, which is their main carrier, their flag carrier. Uh, and they're building another flag carrier, basically. Yeah. So they will have two flag carriers. So Saudia is based in Jeddah, where I have been, where I landed. I didn't use Saudia, but I've seen them. Uh, Saudia was also alternatively named Saudi Arabia Airlines. I think it's the same, yeah. but I, I've seen both liveries. And uh, so they're, clean, they're creating a Riyadh Air. Yeah. Uh, they have tasked Tony Douglas from Etihad that he left in 2022 to start it, to build it. It's all, it's directly owned by the sovereign fund. And I'm wondering maybe, you know, Riyadh, which is a capital was a bit jealous of Jeddah having the, 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 <laughs> so they say, well, we're going to have our own. Um, they are, they've already ordered like 40 Dreamliners, uh, Dash 9s with an option for, I think, 40 more. Uh, they want to cover a hundred destinations by 2030, so in seven years. With a lot, I think there's a lot of emphasis on, on tourism, of course, in the KSA. My take is that what they're trying to do is they're building an Emirates airline. Yeah, don't you think? It definitely feels like that. But I, didn't they just put in an order for like 300 airplanes? Yeah, because that's the um, the because of that structure. I believe that the the sovereign fund orders the airplane, and then maybe uh, distributes them to airlines. I'm not sure. Guys, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, because, and that's the thing, there's another airline actually being created, like two weeks later, so they announced this, what, like two months ago or something, this Riyadh Air, and then they created Neom Airlines or something. Oh, yeah, because Neom's this big, Cultural experiment, really. Yeah, it's a big project in the north. I was very close when I, yeah. drove, I when I told you guys I was driving to the north. If I had driven a, maybe like two more hours, I would have reached Neom, which is still under construction, and it will be for uh, quite, a, I think, the first resorts are opening in 2024, but that will be the early opening because I don't think there will be a lot yeah. to, to see. Then maybe I'm wrong. And uh, they, so they've built the airport because I was curious, as an av geek, I was like, should I extend my trip to just to see the airport, Neom Airport, yeah, which yeah, I yeah. don't know the name now because I had it written somewhere. Ed anyway, um, they they built an airport and apparently now they're building an airline that will start from that airport. That, I have no idea. It feels like science fiction when you read about it. I mean, the chief executive used to be the COO, so chief operating officer at BA and Air Canada. So he's not a nobody. Wow. But when you read the press release, they're talking about 6G connectivity and sustainable fuels. And I'm like, is that something you're going to fly in about 2050 or something? Anyway, yeah, I was gonna let's say, see. Yeah, you can't. Pro yeah. Yeah. All right. yeah, I know. Uh, you know, that, 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 that old project, Neon, is cost like half a trillion or something. So they Jeez. probably have money for like two billion aircrafts departing that airport or something. Uh, I'm not saying that dismissively. I'm just saying that when I read that compared to Riyadh Air, 
which seems like an actual project which will actually deliver to something. This Neom Airlines or whatever um, is seems a little bit more of a dream at that point. Yeah, it just goes to show they have a they're, they're investing a shit ton of money into that. Well, the thing that I, that my immediate reaction when I saw that that massive order had come in was, well, that's exciting. Where are these airframes coming on? Because I. You pointed me in the direction of that Michael O'Leary interview, and mm-hmm. one of the things that he said unequivocally is that Airbus and Boeing are their production lines are tapped yep. out for years and years yep. and years. I think he even said through the end of the decade. But they, I want uh, where are those planes going to come from, and then where are those pilots going to come from? I think everybody is scrambling to find pilot. There's a huge global pilot shortage. Where are these pilots going they're to come probably, from? Not just for these these new Saudi Arabian uh, Saudi Arabian airlines, but all just globally. They're going to do probably what you know Emirates and Etihad and Qatar used to do, or maybe still do. They're just going to like try to outcompete on salaries and just grab yeah. poach pilots. I don't know. I'm just this is just a supposition, but they are. Ah, Neom Bay Airport. Now I'm checking my memory. Neom Bay. I, yeah, you're right. You're right. Exciting. I, I mean, you know what? It makes only sense that they would have an equivalent to uh, Qatar Airways, Etihad, and Emirates. Yeah. With the size of the country, their location, they can run a similar model. There are even rumors, but there are just rumors, that contrary to Saudi, this uh, Riyadh Air will serve alcohol. So, which, you know, it's oh. been long rumored that Saudi Arabia will introduce alcohol for tourism. Uh, when we don't know, but of course, if they want to be an Emirates, I'm not saying that they do, but it feels like they would like to. I'm I'm not saying here you need to get drunk in a plane to take it, but it feels that they might have to. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. And they're also expanding. So I've told you how Jedi in the episode one two one. If you wanna, if you haven't listened to it, please go ahead. Uh, the other airport that I will visit one day, Riyadh, King Khalid uh, Airport, which I'm going to change name, I think, but anyway, which is already very, very big, is going to be even bigger. I think overall is going to reach about 60 square kilometers. <laughs> That's what, 25 square miles? I don't know how to, to translate. That's extraordinary. And uh, by 2030, we'll be able to accommodate 120 million passengers. And by 2050, I think the goal is 200 million or something in, like that, which again seems to indicate that they're going for a model of Emirates. Because if you transit, want to yeah. accommodate that many passengers, a lot of it will be probably transit. And they'll have six runways or something. So really, they're investing. Look, they're investing. Doesn't mean that the strategy will work. I hope for them that it does. Uh, but that, yeah, I just wanted to mention it because at least as planning airports and loving designs. I would love to see all these new things that are being built. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it does. I think it uh, will introduce some com- more competition. Hopefully. But, you know, we're, we're a few years away from all of this <laughs> yeah. happening. So <laughs> who, who knows? Still in the region Emirates, we've uh, mentioned quite a few times. Uh, I called, you know, when we did the episode, which one was in Madrid? I, I said Emirates is the... Apple of airlines because of the consistency. Uh, something mm. that uh, Sunil at Gluco liked a lot. So I just, um, I don't think I said it in the episode. I think I used it as a tag on Instagram and, and Twitter. Anyway, they have a new livery. Can you spot the difference? <laughs> it's very subtle, isn't it? Very subtle. It reminds me of the, the Cathay tweak. Well, actually, it's even less 
pronounced than that, isn't it? Isn't it? It's very, very so subtle. They say it looks a little bit more three D. Okay, the tail, you know, the flag. Oh, the flag on the yeah. tail. Yeah, they removed. Emirates.com. Yeah, I kind of like seeing that on the big belly of the A380 as it flew over. But honestly, it's the same. So I don't know which... It is pretty. <laughs> you know, when I read, oh, there's a new livery, I immediately clicked. I wanted to see the pictures. I'm like, which one's the old one? Which is a new one? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's... it's. I mean, at the same time, the same consistency, subtle. they're so known that it's almost like you cannot change it. It's like Coca-Cola. I'm not saying that Emirates is as known as Coca-Cola, or maybe it is, but the Coca-Cola has never changed because it's so well known. It would be too drastic to change. Maybe Emirates is also, I'm not saying they're stuck, but maybe they're so well, the brand is so well recognized with the colors and how it looks like that they don't want to mess it up. Yeah, I think that that is the case. I mean, I I, I think it's your your comparison to, to Coca-Cola <laughs> is not that far off because they're on that logo is on so many football yeah. jerseys and and all over the world so i think yeah, it's stadium it, it is up there in terms of iconic yeah, brands and it, it looks good i mean i know the livery right, is not the brand but still so, yeah yeah but anyway so congrats on the new livery i guess what did cafe pacific did they remove the pacific what was it they yeah they did that and they removed the red uh accenting and they just uh made it more this is when they killed Dragonair and Cathay Dragon and all that, and they just made it all one unified brand. So, so. it's not staying the region, but since we just mentioned the king of uh, A380 uh, Emirates, which is what you need to fly if you want to fly an, uh, an A380. No, I want to hear your thoughts about this. There's a UK-based airline called Global Airlines, and they've bought, they actually bought, they don't leasing, they bought completely a 380 with a plan to buy three more of course they're not new there they're second hand because third hand. third hand yeah because airbus is not producing them anymore what <laughs> there have been so many airlines that have tried to start out of the uk in the last few years let alone in the last 30 years and in almost without exception i can't think of an outlier uh they fell before they've even literally and figuratively got off the ground. Uh, they lease one, you know, old 330 uh, and put a picture of it in their livery up. They they fail to get their operating certificate for whatever reason from either the, the UK or from wherever they intend to fly, and they disappear. And these guys are... Um, going to be the same oh so you forecasting 100 percent, 100 percent. because there is a reason why so many airlines are divesting themselves of their 380s there's so many reasons why these frames are available when you can do th two engines why would you do four engines i think when you have something like emirates then it becomes an economy of yes. scale and you own basically the entire supply yes. chain for parts uh as well yeah and, the, and they are the only airline that were able to make it work to make it work, yeah. Everybody else is this. This as an the the one that they have posted pictures all over LinkedIn of is an X Singapore yeah. airline. So one of the very first yeah. airframes, which then went to High Fly Malta during yeah. COVID, who then never actually ended up using it for that long, and it sat in the desert. Do you think they, they're going to refurbish it, the interior? So it's a lot of investing to do for an airline that doesn't exist yet. It doesn't exist. They don't have an operating certificate. They haven't said when they're going to fly. The guy that's 
um, I'm trying not to be a dick about this, <laughs> but, uh, shouting about it on LinkedIn. I mean, he's a, he's a, he's younger than us by far. Uh, and he's an investment banker. Oh. Um, so he's not, you know, some punk kid who doesn't know what that, I mean, he knows how money works and the, which is, makes it even more surprising that he's doing this. I am extremely cynical. Someone said to me as I was, you know, just relentlessly crapping on this idea that like, but isn't that how Virgin Atlantic started? And there is a point there. Yeah, but Virgin Atlantic started with one 747 to put pressure on an incumbent. All airlines started uh, this way in a way, right? I mean, of course not. Yeah, but it was a punt. It was a punt because there was no competition. The rumor is that these guys are going to ser serve transatlantic, yep. which at the yep. moment there are four or five major carriers doing a lot of capacity. Mm -hmm. And we have seen the, the Atlantic is riddled with the corpses of airlines that have tried to go in and you get, you fly to Fort Lauderdale and your 380 goes tech and you you have 600 passengers stuck on the wrong side of the planet and you have no way of getting them out because you only have one airplane, yeah. that airplane's going to sit there until it's parted out in Mojave. Yeah, yeah. I want it to be. I yeah, mean, me too. I am I am a advocate for competition, especially tattle competition. But this is I'm dream. not going to work. It's not going to work. It, it's not going to work. Yeah, it's, it's, it makes me sad because, of course, I would like to have a other option to fly to the U.S. and I would like to have a 380 flying to the U.S., but it's clear that I don't see how they would make it work. It's hundreds of millions. They say spring 2024 would be the launch of operations. Absolutely impossible. <laughs> if you don't have your, your operating certificate now and you haven't had FAA I approval. Know. That's what I was about to, go, to, to say. It's like it feels yeah. a lot of announcements of announcements. But look... We still wish them well. I still wish that they do something. I don't think that the, I mean, it's just PR as well at this point to try to excite yeah. people to, of course, about their existence and maybe try to get more investors investors on board. I do not know. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm not optimistic either. I might not be as pessimistic as you, but yeah, I don't. Yeah, I just think the economics don't stack up. I think that there's, um. A nasty smell around it because you don't lead your PR with the fact that you bought an airplane when you're launching an yeah. airline. You launch, you know, you talk about what's going to be different and and the the routes that you're going to serve, and you 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 act like a grown up, yeah, but frankly, about it if you want. It's an airline; it's not a pet project. Buying an aircraft, yeah. I mean, most airlines do the. Le There's a reason leasing exists. That's my point. Yeah. And not here, not saying that you shouldn't buy aircraft, but it's a yeah. highly risky move to put all your money into buying yeah, an aircraft. Yeah, because it's, a it's obviously a depreciating asset, yeah. right? And it, when it reaches the end of its economic viability, you return it to the lesser, who either parts it out or sends it to somebody in a, in a developing country. They have more flexibility. Yeah. So I'm sh maybe there's a big piece that we're, we're not seeing that they haven't articulated quite yet and it will all be revealed and we'll be like oh yeah okay well i see that makes sense you know and there Stay are tuned in our next episode for yeah, the yeah, big yeah, reveal yeah. and i'm not trying to be a, i know i guess i'm not trying to be a dick about it and there are these airlines who make a hell of a living especially these yep. days providing wetly services to the established yes. airlines uh, when their capacity fails or they want to to, to to do something like that that's not what this is 
that would be a better use in my mind of, of something like this. That's not how they sell it. They really sell it. We're going to refurbish the plane. We're going to be a grand experience yep. to go to travel at uh, transatlantic. Yeah, so hitting it like a, being a basically a, a proper not proper probably is a bad word because I'm not here seeing the other airlines yeah. are not proper like a a big yeah. almost flag carrier type airline. And you're like, yeah. yeah. So I mean, if they're going to be a Waymosh or a or a high fly or something like that, makes sense. Where you maybe you have a couple of established routes, and you say, you know, you get your. I think there's a different operating certificate required, and you need it. So they would say, oh, we ostensibly fly from Gatwick to Tampa, but we also do all of these other routes for other airlines on a wet lease basis. That I can see happening. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. And I really, in all sincerity, wish them the best, but I remain, I've yet to be convinced. Yeah, I still think your best bet to fly an A380 is Emirates. Whether yep. it's a new livery or not, you might not see the difference. <laughs> yeah. um, since we're in the Middle East, I told you guys I'm going to do Middle East Qatar, we're also an airline that I mentioned a lot that Alex has yet to fly. It will do one day. They fly, you know, like, I think 11 I or 12. Know. Flights from London these days, man. 12. Yeah, yeah, they're always flying over my You will, you will. (laughs) All over mine as well, right? Not this morning, though. Uh, A few things. First, finally, I don't think we mentioned, uh, we should have, maybe we did, and I forget, they settled with Airbus, finally, after, like, bickering for (laughs) a fucking month. Pardon my French right here. Uh, They have gotten their first delivery of a 350. I think it's a 351,000. They're expecting at least 24 or 5 this year and a total of more than 70, uh, 350, all the backlog after the bickering. So they settle, so they have them. So thankfully, because first I love the 350 and also Qatar was, Mm. I don't know what game they were playing, but they probably settled. There might be something agreeable agreement for both sides. I I still think, you know, at the end of the day, Airbus also wanted to sell the planes to uh, (laughs) these guys. Um, they, uh, for those who don't remember, there was this whole surface degradation paint, uh, that, uh, um, Qatar was not happy, but Qatar Airways was not happy about. Anyway, uh, you know what it means? It means, however, sadly that, um, you won't be able to fly, you know, there, there was a few Cathay Pacific, I think, 777, 300 ERs that were flying for Qatar because it, they had capacity constraint because they were not getting these aircraft. So they, they I think they, they wet leased a few Cathay and also Oman Air. I think they were, these were their three, three, mm-hmm. threes. That would have been fun to try, you know. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so back to, I mean, the 350 and especially with the seats that Qatar provides are great. So I'm happy to see. What what I, I, I'm not sure now is that you remember almost out of jest, it felt that uh, Qatar ordered uh, lots of Boeing when they entered, entered the... Uh, so yes. now I'm thinking some of the Boeing orders are at risk, especially the, the Max ones. Uh, because, I mean, they, I know they have a few eights that will be delivered because they've been painted. And for the very short routes that they do, it makes sense. The Max 10s, first of all, they're not, they're not certified. Yeah. And I think it was a move, a dick move against... Airbus, but now that Airbus is back, Airbus, I think, will be very happy to provide the 321 long-range NXLRs that they were supposed to give. So I'm not sure. Yeah, it's just interesting. What you can do when you have a lot of money? Yeah. <laughs> Al Baker. Yeah. Oh. You know what, uh, Al Baker? So Al Baker is teasing a new seat. So they have the Q-suite, and uh, there, he's already teasing the next iteration, I guess, 
we don't know. We haven't seen anything. No, no, you know, demo. No, no leaks. Nothing. It could be also mm-hmm. something that is only, only for the Dreamliners, which I've told you guys. The Dreamliner they call it Q Suite. It's not. It's a very. It's a tiny version of a Q Suite. It's not a Q Suite. It's more like what you, what you said, like a, a herringbone with a door. Not that it's bad, but yeah. it's not the one that you no, no, no. promised Q Suite. Wow, I'm gonna have like my own private cabin, something. Anyway, teasing a new. <laughs> And you see it in Al Baker style. <laughs> he congratulated Lufthansa on their new seats. You know, the 24 version of a seat that Lufthansa and Swiss have. Uh, saying that, congratulations, but you're nearly 12 years behind Qatar Airways product improvement. <laughs> God, he's such a smack talker, isn't he? I'm sorry. He's a dick, but at the same time, he makes me laugh. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, you need, <laughs> all industries need yeah. a character like that. And, uh, and he says to the, the group chief of uh, Lufthansa. He says, yeah, yeah, he's my friend. He's also, uh, you know, an economic adversary, but he's my friend. And if he will invite me, uh, I will certainly fly in this product and I will tell him how many mistakes he has made. <laughs> <laughs> this guy. I mean, a friend indeed. He's entertaining. Uh, he really is. So, yeah, yeah, so that's... Uh, and last but not least... Uh, very also probably Qatar style. Uh, they've opened a Louis Vuitton lounge at Doha. Of course they have. Yeah. So first of all, I'm not sure it's a lounge because it's within the Al Murhan, which is my favorite lounge. So the business class lounge for Qatar Airways and uh, One World Emerald, I think. So it's a great lounge. And within it, I haven't seen it. They've built a Louis Vuitton like, it's, it's not a pop-up. It's an actual thing, right? There's a restaurant, there's a bar, there's a spa, there's a business center. So it's, it's a lounge within a lounge that is Louis Vuitton. The one thing I... I mean, first of all, maybe you want to... You love Louis Vuitton and you want to do it. Alex, maybe you want you will do it. I, I don't really care. However, the lounge is free, right? You can... What's... Like most these lounges, you can drink for free, eat for free. And the Armuhan Lounge has great options. This, most of the stuff is paid, first of it, first of all. And then, yeah, they have a Michelin star chef, but I'm going to just quote you the price of a tasting menu at the Louis Vuitton lounge is uh, 340 pounds. What? <laughs> In a lounge? <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> anyway, guys, if anyone wow. of you wants to do it, especially will do it or has done it, once you do it, please send us pictures. Oh, I'd love to see that. Yeah. But also tell us how it is. I mean, I'll end up mm-hmm. flying again, Qatar, and I will definitely, since al Mukhan is my favorite lunch, is right there, I'm going to enter at least. I don't think there will be a fee to enter. I guess not. I don't know. Mm. It's, uh, yeah. Anyway, that's just plays them. Yeah. But Doha, is in the, I told you, uh, with the new garden in the south, north, whatever, yeah, lounge yeah. they've created, They're which really I haven't th- seen yet. Uh, I'll, it's uh, it's an airport that you you have to, to do one of, one of these days. Uh, we have a, a bit less than, yeah, 15 minutes before. So what else could I talk before? Yeah, a few feedbacks, maybe. Yeah. First of all, I wanted to thank, I don't remember who said it, but if you just follow us on Apple Podcasts, you never see that which most of the people that actually listen to us are on Apple Podcast. And it's just due to the Apple Podcast, the way it works. Uh, we have one logo for each episode. Uh, you can see them on Instagram or on Twitter, uh, at lay underscore overs. Um, and <laughs> somebody, I forgot, I'm really sorry, said, oh, how cool was the one from 
um, episode, uh, where was it? One, two, three with Ed, the Concorde, because usually mm. there's always a plane. And on that one, I had switched the plane to a Concorde. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it means that you're on Apple Podcast, you don't follow us. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, so, so thank you. Uh, it's just, I love to play with logos. So I did that. So. It's very cool. The whole, the, all of the stuff you've done on that is just as beautiful. Little things. And I always have like a, our faces. So I have now no two things. So it takes a f- screenshots during our, which is sometimes really bad because sometimes our screenshots, I'm like, <laughs> I'm struggling to find a face, which is kind of agreeable because again, I'm not. I used to press myself, you know, the kind of screenshot, and now it put like something. It takes every X amount of time, and then like we are like not looking at the camera or looking down or making like a strange face, and I'm like I'm struggling to find. Good <laughs> yeah, at the best of times. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so yeah, some people rightly so complained about the fact that I don't do real show notes. I should. I don't have the time, but I will. So when I mentioned last time was the the new uh, podcast of our friend Avi Alex, uh, Sky Lounge. I didn't put the, the link on the show notes. I will try to be a better guy doing this. I'm so sorry. I'm doing it. It's very, once we finish a recording, which will happen in about 10 minutes, I usually press stop. I launch the processing and I almost do nothing. And then I put it on. I just create the logos, but I will make an effort. But sometimes I even forget what we've been talking about. We just put Oh, the- I know for two hours. Yeah, no, it's exactly. <laughs> Um, so a few feedback. Uh, I'll do a first batch today, and uh, because I've, we received quite a lot, and another batch next time because some of them are really cool. First, uh, um, at Michael Raj Paul on Instagram, I think yeah, Instagram. I've been listening since 2020, and it's helped me get through the rough year of 2020. Beginning July 3rd of this year, I'll be traveling to S- South Korea for five weeks. Germany for six, oh, wow. Greece, Cambodia, and Thailand for a month each. And so far for a month booked in Malaysia as well. This is a big trip for me. Man, it's a big trip for everyone. For any- a, I was going to say, that is crazy. <laughs> wow, Odysseus, man. And uh, he's going to be listening to layovers wherever he is, and he thanks us. Man, we, wow. But that's, that's, wow. Very cool. Yeah. So I, I, I love how he started, like it was a rough year, and then you go to a trip that we, you, Alex and I would probably never do in our lifetimes, having like such a, like basically a full year or years, because he says that the trips could potentially last years. Yeah, well, I trust that. <laughs> wow. So Michael, kudos. And, you know, if you fly strange airlines or whatever, don't hesitate to let us know. <laughs> that's, yeah, absolutely. Tell us everything. That's, that's unbelievable. It is. How cool. At Sully in Madrid, also on Instagram, long-time listener, that, uh, of course, reacted, I think I forgot to mention it, he reacted on the Madrid episode. He, he knows the airport from the back of his hand, and he said, you remember the article from the FT? It sounds like the car park thing is a trick for getting a bus from T1 to T4. There's a parking area shortcut there. There you go. There's a, there's a parking area shortcut if you want to get the bus from T1 to T4. Oh. It's still very cryptic to me, but apparently there is so... Inside baseball, very... I will, next time I have to go to Madrid, Sully, at Sully in Madrid, I will ask you. <laughs> yeah, because uh, And he adds, uh, I guess my love for the airport is sort of like how you love an old car where things don't work exactly how they should, but you know to hit the dashboard on exactly the right spot to tune the radio. <laughs> That's called Stockholm Syndrome. 
he learned the ropes out of frustration he said so there you go i believe it so the one easy tip that i can give you for t4 and t4s is to always use the lifts rather than the escalators with the exception of arriving into t4s from t4 going to passport control man you're already adding like a caveat you see (laughs) but it's true that i've seen i always prefer escalators in general because i like to walk but mm-hmm. it feels like event, uh, every time I, f- I took it to Madrid and I saw the people from the, the lift clearly arriving before me. So it, yeah. I think it works. There's one or two airports where that's a really good, yeah. it's like the warp zones on Super Mario Brothers. It's just the way to get ahead of it all. At uh, Daniel Cavan, uh, sorry, at Dan Cavan Legal, Daniel Cavan. Oh, I'm yeah, a few yeah. episodes behind on layovers and uh, he shows us a picture of listening to 127 on his Air Canada flight from... Uh, YVR to LAX. Thank you, because we we used to ask for those so people, so you can do that. I need to redo something on Instagram when I take the pictures of you guys listening to oh, I love this. Our, our show, and, and I will post them. And uh, uh, by the way, Han at uh, Han Chicago had done the same. He was listening to Madrid episode, uh, and he was flying Jal from Haneda. Very jealous. Yeah. So, and uh, Daniel, still, so at Dan Kevin Legal... Uh, since we were talking about, it seems that we're becoming the specialists of being recognized in a plane or not, because a lot of people are reacting about it. He sent us uh, a, f- a picture. Uh, he was flying with his two-year-old uh, last year on Delta One from LAX to Sydney, and he got handed a handwritten note by Delta Crew. Oh. So there you go. Very nice. Very nice. Very nice. And uh, and uh, Dewey Stedman. Uh, I think it was on Twitter, but I'm not sure. Instagram, guys, I'm so sorry because I keep mixing uh, the, the notes I'm taking. Send us a picture from uh, American Airlines, a note, handwritten note. Uh, thanks for flying with us. It's dated from May 2023. Thank you for being an AA Advantage Executive Platinum member and for continuing to uh, choose American Airlines and then signatures, all handwritten. So it's, you know, it's very it's nice. Very, very nice. And he adds, that I've been a listener for many years and your experiences and advice have helped me immeasurably on my work travels. My goodness. Well, well, thank you, but did we really advise people? Yeah, I don't know. No, we probably steered a lot of people in a lot of different and incorrect ways. (laughs) (laughs) He only listens to layovers on flights because that's the right thing to do. Hmm? Yeah, nice. And the last episode he was listening from... uh, the, uh, national, so DCA to uh, Raleigh Durham, so RDU. Oh, that's a nice short flight. And that's where he was struck about the conversation we were having with these recognitions. And uh, <laughs> he says, I'm a AA frequent flyer trapped by Stokel syndrome. Yeah. I think we all feel that about that our frequent flyer programs. Yeah, well, it's not a bad program, I guess. Anyway, he's so, and the reason he mentioned that is that even though the, the, recognitions and the, the generally the programs have dwindled in quality since COVID, at least there's still like this thank you note. And uh, that was yeah very nice from the flight attendants. He, he thinks that maybe the flight attendant was um, listening to our conversation through his headphones <laughs> over to <laughs> And had to. Yeah. <laughs> I wish we were that influential. That's Dewey Stedman. I think it was Instagram. Sorry, Dewey, if I'm not correct. Frank Lucille, we started the saga last time. Remember, a very tall guy flying. Uh, yeah. We were questioning why are you flying through Heathrow to go to Japan from Germany? 
and uh, he got back to us. Uh, he's probably because five weeks later, uh, probably he's finished and traveled in Japan. But he got back to us. The only reason he did that is because we were right in our assumption. Suddenly, availability for ANA, uh, the new the room, the new business class. Mm. Opened and he was supposed to go through Zurich, I think, to fly with Swiss to Japan. And said, and even though the triple seven Swiss product is great in business class, he said, you know what, ANA, and that's why he connected through. Mm, that makes sense. I think we we did uh, speculate that might yeah. be the cause, but and, yeah, so that and, makes sense. And uh, I don't know about you, but every time I try to fly to find mild rewards like this for flights. He told me the how much how many miles he used, which is not the point of this conversation. But for me, every time I try, I either have no availability or I have to to use like two billion miles for. Um, I have spent the last three days of my life immersed in that world, and I could not agree with you more. Right? Or maybe you know what? It's infuriating. I need to. That's for me the biggest shift post COVID. I need to shift my mind into booking much earlier which was never the case yeah. maybe we had it too easy i couldn't book but i'm crap at that my life is such as usually clients it's pretty late it's not as easy to do and that now yeah it, because yeah even leisure you're looking for the windows in between all of that client work and that is not usually under your control no, it's not 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 at all yeah so anyway so frank I hope that that uh, Frank Lussel, that was on Twitter. I think he was on Twitter. I hope that uh, flight with ANA was great, and especially your trip in Japan. I think he did like he went all over the place. It must have been freaking fantastic to to do that. And he finally uh, says, and I promise to, I'll do that one day. He's very tall. He's like more than two meters high, so it's taller than me. Oh my god! And he said that uh, we should one day talk about what are the good business classes for very very tall people. And it's true. Uh, for instance, the Q suite is not fantastic for, and I'm only 195 and he's like two or three centimeters. So, yeah, probably we'll do a feature one day where we'll talk about. That's a good idea. You know, especially, you know what, the cubicles, you mentioned that for the AT had the, the, the cubicles for your, for your feet. Yep. It's a nightmare. These, these new, yeah. these new things. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you outliers in height are struggling. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we have three minutes, so maybe just one or two more. Uh, Martin Hammer at the Saint S85 um, on Twitter. Uh, I didn't realize he was. He's been listening for a very, very long time. He's a he's a he works as a pursuer senior flight attendant for. He says Paul's former home carrier, so Swiss clearly. <laughs> And uh, he was listening to us, I think, on Narita Zurich, which took 14 and a half hours because he had to fly over the US. Oh my God. But I mean, I'm. 14 and a half hours. <laughs> but yeah, that, that, no thanks. So, yeah. So, th thank you for. Uh, we, I, I kind of. Uh, I mean, look, he says, because of what I do for a living, I think it's so inspiring to listen to you guys, not only to hear how other carriers do differently, but also to hear from you as frequent flyer what you really expect from a crew or enjoy on board. Of course, he mentions the whole thing about recognition. I tell, told you, man. Free cheese boards. That's all I care about. We should rename our podcast Recognition. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, first of all, that's very kind to say, Martin. Yeah. But it's like, I feel suddenly a certain responsibility that I didn't have before. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, it's, a, it's amazing that somebody who lives this day in and day out still enjoys our nonsense. Yeah. Because it must be infuriating 
to listen to armchair quarterbacks dissect an industry from the outside and not from like you know from the professional perspective yeah, absolutely. or the day-to-day or operational perspective so massive massive respect <laughs> Anyway, Alex has to go. Hard stop in about two minutes. I'm going to have to run the music of the end. Guys, we promised and uh, we will. I'm going to stick to this this time because my office has finally been rebuilt. You know, I have an actual ceiling. Alex saw it, actually. Saw the, I did the, end, the first time. The end product. <laughs> Looks great. I, I'm still not happy about that new angle, but nobody sees that sees this uh, podcast and video, which is <laughs> I'm, it's fine. Uh, and right now, also, my face, I have the window. Never mind. People are like, what is he going on about? The uh, so we promise, and this time it's a promise. We'll do another one this month, probably in a couple of weeks. Actually, even less room to breathe. Yep. Uh, and I'll continue. We have a lot of other feedbacks, a lot of stuff about Japan, and a story about Alex and a certain president. I'm not going to say more yes. than this. I'm going to put the music, which is very far away. So please look. Hang on. <laughs> there you go. I really need to change where that console is because every time I have to press a button, Alex loses me under the camera. Because I, <laughs> I love it. Are you flying anywhere in the next two weeks? I'm going to Edinburgh oh, nice. uh, next week on EasyJet. It's lovely to be able to just go. I don't need to go to Heathrow and for such a f- short flight because I'm no longer tethered to my loyalty of BA. I'm going on EasyJet out of Gatwick, which is very close to my house. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. There you go. That's going to be made in addition to our next episode. We'll, we'll figure out the date out. Uh, as for me, we'll be at the end of the month. I'll tell you all about it in our next show, I guess. The music is not ending. Is it longer than it used to be? I don't know. I thought I was timing it correctly to finish <laughs> right now. <laughs> Happy travels. Safe travels, guys. Happy flying.